My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So at the age of 38, I no longer owned my house uh, and was uh, having to start again. And so I had that 20 years of investing uh, and the second time around, I didn't want to, I guess, take 20 years to do it again. And so that's when I started on my property development journey. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Rob Plux, head of the largest property networking group in Australia called Property Developer Network. In sharing both his personal and professional journeys, he explains the mindset that allowed him to acquire his first property at 18 and pay it off at 24 and illustrates the talk he gave his parents that changed his life forever. Flux has worked hard to attain financial freedom and is passionate about educating and coaching others to achieve the same goal. However, financial freedom hasn't slowed him down one bit. In fact, it may have even spurred him on more. As well as running Property Developer Network, he runs four additional businesses and has a fifth in the works. I'm one of those people that am restless and I'm always wanting to do stuff. So between running those businesses, uh, I have a combination of mentoring calls. I have a, a combination of, uh, I guess, preparing and running uh, property networking events. Uh, we run a bulk purchasing power uh, card for all of our member community. Um, and still running some deals. So I guess when I put all of that together, plus a software platform that we're putting together from a, uh, I guess, a, a, a space. So five brought the five businesses, not four. Uh, so it's busy, mate, very busy. He certainly has a lot on his plate, but it's made easier by the fact that all his businesses are within the same realm, which he sees as one of two main keys to success. They're very complementary, very symbiotic. So each business runs in its own right, but they, uh, I guess, benefit from each other. Um, but the way I do that is by having an awesome team that sits around me. I've got 11 staff that work with me, uh, I guess, scattered all the way around the country and overseas. And uh, I guess the power of delegation, mate, that's that's really the, the key to this. Totally, totally. And I agree with you. You need a team. You can't do everything yourself. And it's usually the question is who rather than how you do it. At the end of the day, you've got to figure out who's going to be able to help you on that side of things. That's one of the best pieces of advice that you will ever get, who rather than how. <laughs> Have you read the book uh, from Dan Sullivan or heard of the book from Dan Sullivan, Who, Not How? 
No, I haven't. And I guess this is where I uh, own up to your audience that uh, I'm partially dyslexic, so I don't read a lot. So a lot of my world comes from real world lived experience uh, and the lessons learned from that. So I uh, try to learn from others and other mistakes that others make rather than having, uh, I guess, reading books. Um, and I find that by doing that, I can actually apply my knowledge really fast um, and, you know, like you said, who, not how, who's the person that's going to get me the knowledge the fastest? Dyslexia is just one of the struggles Flux has faced in his life, which started in Darwin in the Northern Territory. After living there for 33 years, he felt the itch in his feet and made that jump interstate. I went through Cyclone Tracy, so uh, we I had all of our house destroyed in that piece. Um, the house was eight months old when it got knocked over and I spent... Uh, three years living in a caravan underneath the floorboards of a house, um, having a shower through a garden hose behind a corrugated iron uh, curtain uh, and a whole bunch of things like that. So I kind of came up with a really harsh upbringing, um, not, you know, not through, uh, you know, anything that my parents created, but just the circumstances that, um, and so that kind of forged the foundation for me to say, I never want to go through that again. Um, and... Uh, you know, the, the house that that we grew up in, as I said, was eight months old, wasn't insured. So mum and dad uh, lost everything um, that set them up for, I guess, a, a life of hardship from there to try and pay back that loan, go into the next house. Uh, and so I was really, really, really determined to uh, not have that happen to me and to make sure that everything I did was, uh, I guess, going to set me up for success. Mm, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. that. That's quite challenging. Do you remember what age that was, roughly? Yeah, I was, I was five. I guess as a as a kid, you don't uh, you don't really think about the hardship. It, it you don't know any different. So it's not a it's not a um, a negative. It's actually a positive. Um, I had a great life. Um, uh, one of the fun facts that you have from a cyclone, um, Cyclone Tracy hit uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, for those who aren't aware. Uh, and so one of the fun facts is uh, that we would find toys strewn all, all through the neighborhood. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and I had a, a Tonka truck that I, that I dug out of the mud in my backyard that became a, a toy for me. Um, you know, the, so there's, there's fun things that happen from it, but it wasn't my present, it was someone else's, but I'm sure that they enjoyed mine. Although school returned after Cyclone Tracy, Flux's primary school had been shut down. This forced him and his classmates to join the high school campus, though the primary school's library still saw its share of visitors. So I would walk past my primary school every morning in order to get to, I guess, where we were having primary. Uh, and the library that we went past, um, uh, the, there was a giant hole in the side of the wall. Uh, and I remember that on the way home every day, we would walk through the hole in the wall, borrow a book out of the library, go home, read it, uh, come back the next morning and just throw it through the hole in the wall uh, and return it. Um, you know, it wasn't like the books were living on shelves. They're all they're all strewn all over the place. Uh, we figured if we were returning it, we were never stealing it. So uh, we still we still used it quite fondly. A lesson for everyone out there: bad stuff happens. Okay, you you can't change the fact that bad stuff's going to happen. You can't avoid it. But the story that you give that and the power and the meaning that, that sits behind that is really what determines whether or not it's going to be something that inhibits you or enables you. So for me, I look back at those things as, as an enabler, right? 
it's not something that is going to hold me back, but rather it's going to something that's going to power me and fuel me to actually say, well, I'm not going to have that happen to me. The positive mindset he adopted at an early age has served him well in all areas of his life, including property. After he and his family moved into a new home after Cyclone Tracy, he used this way of thinking to get himself onto the property ladder at a young age. Yeah, I spent 25 years in the same house. Um, I actually ended up buying that house uh, off of mum and dad. Um, I guess when I was when I got to the age of 16, I went to work. I used to deliver catalogs, um, you know, junk mail into your into your mailbox. I was a trolley pusher at Kmart uh, and stay, saved up a lot of cash. And I was determined, as I said, to actually go out and buy my own house. Uh, and mum and dad were still in a little bit of financial challenges from, I guess, their early days. Uh, they knew that they couldn't help me to actually do that except for a very creative thing that we came up with, which was, what if I bought the house off of them and then they could stay and pay me rent? That would get them out of some financial challenges and would also set me up. Um, So I was an 18-year-old, bought my house off mum and dad. They were living with me, paying me rent, right? Uh, Mum was doing the cooking, the cleaning. Um, I was being an 18-year-old and going out and doing the the things that 18-year-olds do, uh, going out at uh, seven o'clock at night and coming home at 7am in the morning and doing all the teenagery type things. Uh, and then one day mum and dad sat me down and went, son, this life that you're having, this party life, it, you know, it's probably not good for you. Uh, and I distinctly remember the words coming out of my mouth and it's a moment that I'll never uh, forget. Uh, and I went, it's my house. It's my rules. Now, that moment changed my life uh, because mum and dad looked at each other and they looked at their watch and they went, it's time for us to go. Uh, and uh, they moved out and all of a sudden I was, uh, I guess, looking after that mortgage by myself and having to be very responsible for that during myself. Uh, and that was just before the recession that we had to have. So 17, 18, 19% interest rates. Uh, and uh, times were tough, mate. Um, So when we look at lessons learnt, um, I very quickly had to work out how do I scramble to actually do this, and I started subleasing rooms out. So I was doing, I guess, what many people call HMOs or rent per room all the way back when I was about uh, 19 and a half. Although he was a typical 18-year-old in terms of socialising and having fun, his focus on his goal never wavered. He continued his education after finishing high school by completing three trade certificates. Did electronics repair, so TV video um, repairs. Uh, Then I went into uh, computer maintenance um, and and computer hardware repairs and that sort of thing. Uh, So so electronics trade, uh, radio TV mechanics and computer maintenance with with the three trades that I kind of accumulated. Basically, in the TV world, I was fixing things down to the two-cent component level Um, and then suddenly realized that um, the apprentice that I had trained up who moved over to IT was earning twice as much money as me, and he was just throwing boards away, Um, and I was trying to fix things down to this two-cent component level. So I I transitioned over to IT uh, and had a 20-year IT career um, and ended up designing multi-million dollar data solutions for for Virgin, for for BHP, for Flight Center, and a whole bunch of other people like that. 
So very, very long uh, career in IT. I grew up with mobile phones that were like that. Uh, uh, I guess um, uh, Netscape as a web browser, like the, the internet was being formed as I grew up. So uh, I've gone through the lot, mate. Coming up after the break, Flux reveals what helped him make the changes from electronics repair to IT. That's when I decided to transition over to the IT world, uh, where, as I said, my apprentice was earning twice the wage as me doing half the work. Why public accolades under be all and end all? You know, that's the kind of work where you have to really, really think about everything that you're doing. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about that and the sad thing all at the same time is you you get success uh, at the end of the process when nobody notices what you did. We dive into how an ocean drive and being mistaken for a lawn maintenance worker set him on a new path. But uh, I, I guess have this beautiful drive where I was that was an ocean drive. So every time I left my house, I would go via the ocean drive, even though it was the long way out because it was always a pretty way. And I saw a, a home open sign. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey there. Over the years, I've built up a portfolio of properties and it's been great to see capital growth. But the challenge I face is the passive income has been quite poor, providing a net return of 3 to 4% per annum. I'd have to buy at least 10 properties or more to generate $100,000 per year. Now, if I had the cash to buy these outright, which I didn't, then I need the help of banks and as they wouldn't lend me more, I was stuck. This is when I start looking into alternative investments where I could use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns and fast track my passive income goal. In a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve this goal and have tripled my passive income instead. Now, if you want to learn more on how I did this, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-31-32 and I'll send you a free report explaining how I did it. Despite being admittedly naive about his career options at the time, Flux knew where his interests and talents met. Choosing electronics repair was a sensible choice but didn't turn out to be as long-lived as he hoped. And it was, you know, uh, the advice from our parents, work hard, you know, do the things that you need to do. Um, and so I did that and then very quickly realized that that was a dying career, that the world was becoming disposable and that electronics repair was not going to be a, a long-term career. That's when I decided to transition over to the IT world. Uh, where, as I said, my apprentice was earning twice the wage as me doing half the work. Um, and that's probably the smartest decision I ever did. Uh, and that uh, then I went back to university and got myself a, a, an IT degree and that kind of set me up from there. In his IT career, he designed systems and did a portion of what was called solutions architecture. So I design anything from a, I guess, a I guess a cloud-based solution to a data center to disaster recovery solutions. Uh, anything that had uh, seven or more zeros on it was really the, the kind of work that I would work on. Uh, I guess people that 
didn't need their stuff to stop working. Um, uh, and, you know, how do we build things that are completely redundant so that if something breaks, there's going to be something that actually takes over it. So uh, understanding data, data flow, uh, you start to see that data actually tells you a story. And that has formed a lot of the foundations of what I do in my property world is understanding the data uh, and knowing that if you can read the data, it's like the matrix, you know, you start to see all the ones and zeros and you start to see patterns in the data. And when you see patterns in the data, that's going to give you the insights into how and what to do with that. Flux was an architect of sorts in that he was dealing with data, which translates well to the world of property development. It transitions really well. The number of people that we see in property development that have come from an IT background, because it's a very logical kind of process, because it's less emotional, I guess we're not we're not emotionally attached to the property. We're, we're looking at the numbers and, the, and, and, you know, that tells us a story. Uh, so a lot of people from that very, whether it be IT or otherwise, but if they come from a, a very systematic type approach, in their normal career, they transition really well over to property development. Flux enjoyed working in the IT space as much as he does property due to his innate ability to recognize and analyze data and sees problems as a puzzle to be solved. Don't be afraid of the problem, take on the problem, solve the problem and, and I guess see the success that comes out of that. You know, I uh, have done major, major, major projects. So uh, one of my uh, biggest achievements, like company called Flight Centre. I'm sure most people uh, have heard of Flight Centre. At the time, they were in 44 countries. Now, most people don't realise that they're that big. Uh, so my role was to move their data centre from one location to another location 30 kilometres down the road and keep 44 countries alive all at the same time. Uh, so trying to do that uh, and not have a system outage, you know, that's the kind of work where you have to really, really think about everything that you're doing and uh, you know, the funny thing about that and the sad thing all at the same time is you you get success uh, at the end of the process when nobody notices what you did, you know. Uh, if you have a failure, everybody notices what you do. Uh, and so at, at the end, you know, I, I'm sitting in the room with my team and, you know, everything's moved across and there was no balloons, there was no fanfare, there was no confetti uh, and we, you know, okay, well, I guess we're going to the pub. It's because of that that uh, I guess I don't need a pat on the back from someone else. I get personal satisfaction because I know that I did a good job and you don't need the glory, you don't need, uh, I guess, everybody seeing what you've done. Um, you just know that, uh, you know, that job is done and I can drive past and I go, that's where it used to be and that's where it is and in my mind that I still get joy out of that uh, nearly 20 years after having done that one project, probably 15 years now, I should say, um, and because I know, I know what I achieved and I don't need the accolades of others. After spending the first 33 years of his life in Darwin, he jumped on an opportunity that came his way and made the move to Brisbane. When I moved to Brisbane, I found that it was a very similar kind of culture to Darwin, um, very small hometown kind of vibe. Uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, it's two degrees of separation. So, you know, it's, you know, if I don't know you, then the person I know knows you. So you always have to do the right thing. You always have to have integrity and honesty. And if you make a mistake, you have to always fix it. Uh, and, you know, when you move into a new town, it takes a lot of 
time to rebuild that reputation because nobody knows you. Um, but now that I have, I can't see me going anywhere. It, it, it's got everything. Uh, it's now grown up to be a big city, um, but it still has that small town vibe. Although the move wasn't initially for his benefit, it worked out in one way, but not so much in another. My, uh, I guess, wife at the time, I guess currently divorced, uh, had a very senior role working for uh, Optus in the Northern Territory. So she used to look after the Northern Territory government contract for Optus. Um, They lost that contract. uh, And so when Telstra took over the contract, she was given an offer to either have a redundancy or relocation. And we went, well, if we if we take the relocation, it's like having a free swing for, for a holiday to see whether or not we like this new place. So we decided to do that. Uh, things didn't pan out in that department for her and I, uh, but uh, I guess from a location perspective, I'm very happy with the outcome. Returning to property, Flux fondly remembers the first mentor he had after he purchased his parents' home. However, she likely isn't aware of her influence. I then read a book um, uh, a lady by the name of Jan Summers, so uh, I guess a, I guess a, one of the first educators in the property world, uh, and indirectly she became my mentor without having ever met her, and I would love to meet her at some stage. Uh, and uh, the book was all about investing uh, and negative gearing, and so I bought my first investment property at the age of twenty-one, uh, and I distinctly remember that. Um, I had no intention of buying that particular house on that particular day, uh, but uh, I, I guess, have this beautiful drive where I was that was an ocean drive. So every time I left my house, I would go via the ocean drive, even though it was a long way out because it was always a pretty way. And I saw a, a home open sign uh, and I walked in. I had just finished mowing the lawn. I was 21 years of age. I'm covered in, uh, I guess, uh, lawn clippings. And I walked in and the agent Uh, looked at me sheepishly and went, you know, you're clearly not a buyer here. Um, And within half an hour, I'd uh, I'd put a deposit down and actually purchased my first investment property. Um, Overlooking the ocean um, and uh, at that stage, I didn't really know what I was doing. It was was more that was a local area expert just from living there without actually being a property expert uh, and... I guess I've got a, a whole bunch of good timing with regards to the market and that sort of thing. And that made a massive return inside of about three years, which I then flipped, uh, which then allowed me to own my first house outright, the one I bought at 18 by the age of 24. That first house was in a place called Rapid Creek and the first investment property was in a place called Nightcliffe. Um, but o- overlooking the, the ocean and the Nightcliffe rocks and I guess a gorgeous spot. He no longer has the property, though flipping it was the catalyst for what happened next and propelled him to where he is today. That allowed me to pay for the first house outright. So at at 24, I was uh, completely unencumbered. I guess started purchasing a few more investment properties. Negative gearing, which uh, I did 20 years of negative gearing um, and found that there were a lot of obstacles in that approach given serviceability, uh, you keep hitting glass ceilings with regards to what you can do, do you have enough deposit, those sorts of things. Uh, So did very well out of that. Uh, Mathematically, uh, I was in a position where at the age of 38, I could retire. 
but regretfully, uh, as I touched on before, got divorced at 37. So didn't quite hit the, that magic marker uh, and had to reset. Um, so at the age of 38, I no longer owned my house uh, and was uh, having to start again. And so I had that 20 years of investing uh, and the second time around, I didn't want to, I guess, take 20 years to do it again. And so that's when I started on my property development journey. Um, and in doing that, uh, spent a lot of time, uh, I guess, paying for a lot of educators and mentors uh, out there. Um, found that many of them were more spruikers. Um, they leave, left you motivated to do something but didn't give you the how-to on what that something was. Uh, and I guess having spent about 120K on my own personal education, um, found that I still didn't know exactly what I needed to know. And had five mates that had a very similar experience. We all sat together over a kitchen table and decided um, through the power of a masterminding process that we would try and help each other's projects move forward. Um, and that then started to get me momentum, started to get them momentum. And as each mate invited a mate and they invited another mate, um, that slowly then be turned into what is now, I guess, the largest property networking group in the country. So that's Property Developer Network. Uh, and it's through that process that uh, I got most of my learning because uh, it is not, you can only solve a problem through your own worldly experience, but when you mastermind with others, um, then you get the collective of the group uh, and you get the wisdom of the collective experience. Um, and so much faster to accelerate. Um, proximity is power is a, a phrase that I would like to, to throw out there for your, for your community. Hang around with people that are doing the things that you want to do. Rob Flux's story continues in the next episode of Property Invest Story. He explains how there's no such thing as worse experiences. But, it, but it's also the thing that empowered me to, to move forward. I, I think every career that I've had, so electronics repair, uh, I guess the computer repair, the, the, the solution architecture design, everything was about problem solving. So there was never, never a problem that I was afraid of. The question that took a lot of guts to ask but paid off tremendously. When I did that, when I kind of, uh, it unlocked the, the opportunity for me that uh, then became, I guess, the deal that got me out the second time. He reveals what's capturing his attention at the moment and where he's headed next. I like that because you can get in and out very quickly. Uh, you typically need a lot less money to actually run the deal. Uh, you aren't exposed to the building and construction risk that a lot of people are actually concerned about right now. And that's next time on Property Investory. If you love the show and you're a wholesale investor wanting to learn more about how I got started in alternative investments, where I've been able to use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns to fast track my passive income goal, then SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-31-32 to register your interest. Now, in a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve my goal and have tripled my passive income. 
To find out how, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-3132. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.